My mum was very supportive of when I was starting to lose weight, even when she was ill and she was getting worse. She went into hospital not long after I started, probably a week or two, and then in the hospice. But she was telling all the nurses how all I was doing because my mum was boasting about, you know, he's lost four and a half pounds this week. He's lost three stone in total. At this point, I'm still 34 stone, 33 stone. You know, but if someone's that supportive, I mean, my mum was super supportive of that sort of thing. So she was delighted, I think, finally to see that I was doing something about it. Slimming Storage is branching out. I've created a Facebook group and over the next couple of months I'll be building the community starting with live Slimming Story conversations. This is your opportunity to feature on one of the upcoming podcast episodes and share your weight loss journey. Are you with me? All you need to do is just click on the link in the podcast show notes or search for Slimming Stories within the group feature on Facebook. I would love to see you there. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Slimming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Alden West. Welcome again to another episode of Inspiration. This is Phil Kay's part two of his Slimming Story. If you've not yet listened to last week's episode, I just want to give you a quick recap. Phil spoke about how after only three weeks on plan, it just felt this, this drive of energy, this change, where he wasn't being sluggish in the morning, so I've put a slight recap at the start of the episode for anybody that maybe has downloaded this episode on the way to work and have not downloaded last week, so that's just for you. And I also want to dedicate this episode to all the mums out there that have supported their sons and daughters on a weight loss journey. And if you've listened to the, the very beginning of this episode, you will have heard that Phil's mum was no exception. She had his back 100%. And we find ourselves, don't we, with Mother's Day well and truly behind us now. If you listen to this on late Mothering Sunday Eve, you know, it's it's gone, it's done. If you've been bought chocolates and all those treats, then I guess it's whether you decide to, to have them all today or to save them or to, to even gift them to somebody. And it's one of those times that we're, we're gifted the food that can send us way, way off track. It really can. And it can be a testing time, especially, you know, if chocolate is your go-to food because chocolates are of abundance around Mother and Sunday. I'm I'm no different. I've been bought chocolates today and, yeah, I'm thinking about having a couple tonight and then maybe giving them to my husband to hide out the way. Out, out of the way. I just don't want to consume like I don't know 4,000 worth of calories in a day that's not on my agenda at all and I also want to say that last week I mentioned that Phil had lost over 21 stone as a matter of fact he's lost over 22 stone now so it may be at the point I interviewed him that was the case which I think may have been back in August last year so that's definitely a change is introducing Phil Kays to his part two of Slimming Stories I noticed after three weeks, three weeks, the difference in energy of how I felt as a result of that because I was just putting eating better. So after that first week, all the crisps and the biscuits were gone and I didn't replace them. I didn't buy the wee hi-fi bars or any sort of low-fat snacks that they all, they all talk about. I went cold turkey on them. But after three weeks, I just felt 
it felt amazing. It really was. It was bizarre. Um, the energy levels just went through the roof. And it was, I mean, I'm still, at this point, I'm 35 stone, you know, 35 stone plus. But I couldn't get over how alert and sharp my mind was compared yeah. to where I was three weeks beforehand. I mean, my, my sleeping pattern completely changed in the space of three weeks. I went from going to sleep at one o'clock in the morning, struggling to get out of bed at half eight uh, to get into work, to I would have woken up at half six. And it was, as soon as I woke up, I felt awake. Um, whereas before it would have been snooze button again, 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 to try and sort of wake up in installments. And I would have had uh, like three alarms all around the brand forced out of bed. <laughs> Do you think a proportion of that energy was the fact that you'd actually finally found something that worked? And that's a big weight to carry, isn't it? To think that nobody can help you. That's your life. You know, that's your story. That's going to be you for the rest of your life. There's, there's going to be nothing that's going to change it. And all of a sudden, you're awake, aren't you? You can see, <laughs> you can see that there's possibility that there's hope and that there's something that works for you, you don't feel hungry, you feel satisfied. And it's almost like a, like a reawakening, isn't it? It's almost like a, a rebirth of you. you. You finally, you've got something that, that works for you and, and you're happy with it. You're not criticising it. You're not seeing that it's, it's difficult. It seems to have been quite an easy transition for you. Yeah, I think say it's definitely a combination because it just all, it clicked. You know, having that that realisation that I could actually do something about this, you know, that I don't have to live my life the way I was living it um, forever, which wouldn't have been very long, let's be honest, the size I was, but that this was something I could actually stick to. And it didn't feel, it didn't feel difficult. That's the weird thing, because I'd found food that I liked and I could make, it was really simple food. It was your bolognese. It was basically, you know, pasta with a sauce. But it was a sauce made from just tin tomatoes, puree, and just whatever. You know, the food was just, it was really, really basic. But I was a really basic eater anyway. I just found that for some reason, yeah, it just, it worked. And it worked for me. The combination of the group, the feedback, the positivity, that was mm. a big I found was yeah. mindset of just relentless negativity that I had about myself that all of a sudden was actually starting to feel good for the first time in a long time. Probably the first time I was, I was actually feeling good about myself really since I was in my teens. You know, uh -huh. that's honest. Reacted to my friends, you know, this sort of reasonably jolly um, persona. I wasn't like, comedian or anything but it was it was just that sort of mask of being able to get on with people but mm. I just found that suddenly I felt alive for the oh. first time I mean I just think you're a book in the making honest to God you really, you really are and how did your father react to you you know you your poor father that tried to speak to you for all these years what was his reaction when he could see you know the, the weight coming off and he could actually see you was going with it and you'd found something that you was actually enjoying and it was working for you. That that must be such a, a thing to witness for a father to see that and then to see the, not only the change 
from a physical point of view, but the change of you being more alert and alive and, and, and happy. I think he, he probably at the start he didn't want to didn't want to scud anything, so he didn't really mention it too much. And to be honest, I mean, I didn't say to them that I'd signed up and I was feeling this way. I was still, but they would have noticed that I was that I was making meals and I was prepping my own dinner as opposed to coming in and throwing a pizza into the oven and then eating a bag of rubbish because he wouldn't have seen the the bags and the, the rubbish all gathered up in the bins. So he didn't say much. My mum would have said more because turns out I only found this out after she died was uh, she was on Slimming World at the time that <laughs> when I joined oh, up, but, but she wasn't well. Uh, again, sort of like this was one of the triggers was definitely one of the triggers for when I signed up was she'd been, hadn't been diagnosed at this point, but she didn't look well. I was starting to be conscious that at some point she's not going to be here. Mm. Um, there's a chance that I might actually die before because the way I was living, who knew how long I had? Certainly wouldn't have been that long. I was also conscious. Like I was back living with my parents and I was living on the third floor of our house and I was starting to worry about stuff like if I fail, how do I get back up? If I, if... God forbid I died in my sleep. How did they get me out of this house? Because how do you lift someone that size? You know, stuff yeah. like that. That's this kind of negativity I carried around with me in my head. Um, I didn't talk about that sort of stuff with anybody. But uh, yeah, with with Laura, I'd mentioned about my mum a wee bit. But uh, so stuff like that, um, it was starting to add up. And I think that was propelling me as well. But my mum was very supportive of when I was starting to lose weight even when she was ill and she was getting worse she went into hospital not long after I started probably a week or two and then in the hospice but she was telling all the nurses and how I was doing because my mum was boasting about you know he's lost four and a half pounds this week he's lost three stone in total at this point I'm still 34 stone 33 stone you know but if someone's that supportive. I mean, my mum was super supportive of that yeah. sort of thing. So she was delighted, I think, finally to see that I was doing something about it. My dad was, I'm sure he absolutely was delighted for me, but uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't no. say too much because at that point, like my relationship with my dad was, was bloody awful, to be honest. I guess I didn't want to test the water and, yeah. and ruin it. And what a lovely gift to be able to give to your mum before she passed knowing that you'd finally cracked the code and you was getting the help and you was changing your life so i'd find something that i could work with in my life and so i was, I was starting to have that realization that get to a point where i could live a normal life i had no idea where i would end up but certainly if you'd said to me oh you'll lose 22 stone and i would never ever thought i would get to this point never ever this. even when i got the 15 stone <laughs> I'd never thought because I know people when they sign up to somewhere they're asked about like their target I had no idea because I had no idea what a healthy version of me would weigh so I'd never set a target it was always just a case of well I'll see what next week was and they ask in the group you know how much would you like to lose next week or what would you like this what result would you like to see next the next week and I always just said two pounds Two pounds would be brilliant for me because they always said one and a half to two pounds would 
as a sustainable loss. So that's all I ever wanted. I wanted it just to be, to have a plan that I could live with that would yeah. allow me to keep it to get to a point where, who knows, as long as I'm free of the physical restrictions. Don't say so well, your consultant must be like, <laughs> she must be beaming <laughs> with, with pride for you. And, and imagine the, the group too. And what I'm really interested in is how was it when you recognised this weight was coming off? And then you would have a belt, wouldn't you? And then you put it down a notch and then you put it down a notch. At what point did you actually lose that belt? I actually still wear that belt. I have cut off. I kept it. I kept it. I bought. Yeah, I still actually wear it as well. Um, I bought. (laughs) I don't know whether this is good or not or whether it says a lot. (laughs) But I literally bought it two months before joining Slimming World. And it was like, belt, you know, I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't want to have to keep buying a new one. So I bought a wee hole punch on Amazon. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, to make new ones. So every so often I would punch new holes. And I was, I kept the belt. I don't know whether it was just the, as a physical manifestation. I actually kept two belts. One of them, a jeans belt and a other smaller one just for trousers. But uh, I've got rid of it. But the jeans belt I still have. And I just kept. And I didn't cut any off it, but I got to a point where it was almost <laughs> at the, it was the small of my back <laughs> where I decided, right, now I need to cut stuff off it. But I, yeah. I ended up on the full belt and all the sections. I kept it because I wanted that physical manifestation of how, how I was progressing. And there was, Definitely. I love that feeling of, you know, being at the furthermost pole and realizing that no, I need to, I need to cut more on it. You know, I, I did keep stuff like that. And my friend Laura, God bless her, I thank her for this all the time. Um, but she insisted on taking photos of my first night, so she actually got me up against the wall, and she did like a profile pic and a side on side on pic, and she basically said, "Look, I'll keep these if you ever want them. I'll have them." In my head, it was just I never ever see them photos. I never want to because at this point, I'm still convinced it would fail. But like after I think eight months, I'd lost ten stone, um, and I was like, I wouldn't mind seeing a comparison of it. So I said to Laura, and she she changed her phone, but she was able to recover them thankfully. So like I, it took I don't know. It just took so long for me to accept that this is me now and I'm just going to carry on this journey. In my head I knew I was having success with it and I I knew I could do it. Basically repeat that pattern week after week. I was always a pattern eater so I had the same thing all the time whether it was crisps, pizza chocolate, whatever it was I ate it all the time. I would basically eat it until I got bored of it and then I would switch the chocolate bar to a different one, switch the pizza to a different topping so I knew I could stick to a routine. Yeah. It was just a routine that worked. And then finding stuff that I could make as part of the routine. Oh, yeah. you know? It's like you literally started, from, literally started from scratch, didn't you? Learning that 
and you know it's never never too late is it it's never never too late to make that change and I love the I love the belt story because I could just see you there saying and I bought this two months ago I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get rid of that and I think you need to paint that I think you need to paint that old punch thing that you use honestly yes yeah, so to Weight Watchers and Slim and Will but you need that reminder don't you a lot of people have like this they keep a pair of trousers or a, obviously not in your case a dress but they keep these different things don't they as a reminder and it's it's a it's a great thing to have and did you start buying new clothes when you saw that you, your size was reduced and did you start buying new clothes and how did that how did that feel did you go online to buy the clothes or did you go into a store to buy the clothes I started needing new clothes pretty quickly I hadn't bought clothes in an actual shop for 20 odd years because all of my shopping was online because there was occasional there were there wasn't Belfast the bigger man's clothes uh, shop but even they had very very few things in my size like I was wearing most of my t-shirts which was pretty much all I ever wore were size 8xl 68 inch chest or 68 or 70 inch chest so I mean, you can only buy them online. There's there's very, very, even then, there's a very limited selection. My waist and the jeans were size 68 inch waist. I still have them. So I was still buying stuff online. But I'd actually, I was lucky enough in that as I'd bought clothes for years, occasionally I would buy stuff and it would be too small. And I was too embarrassed to send it back and ask for a bigger size. So I still had stuff in, in my house that right. I knew was... So I started to work through them initially. Um, and then my friend Kenny, because at this point he had lost he had lost about seven or eight stone at this point. He had given me advice was when you buy stuff, buy as cheap as you can and buy a size too small. Because by the time it arrives, the way you're losing weight, it'll be fine. Or by the time you actually first wear it, it'll be the size you need it to. Uh, you'll be the size that will fit into it so that was actually a big help and it was expensive business going through because I yeah um like the first time I started buying clothes it was uh 6xl I started buying shirts in so you still had to go online to get them but I found a shop in in Belfast where that I saw they did up to 5xl uh I think it's very I can't remember what you call it, but uh, it's an offshoot of it, and uh, it's one we stall in it. So I went up to it, and I was so happy to be able to actually buy stuff off a peg for the first time, um, because I, hadn't, I literally hadn't went into a shop and bought stuff for, say, over well over 20 years. Um, so that was exciting the first time, and I do remember buying one at the size it was, one at the size one size down and then another two sizes down so i bought three sizes basically as a, as a goal for myself because i remember Ken, kenny's advice was basically buy one below so i thought i'll set a goal that size as well which is still a 4xl or 3xl at that point um and it was just every so often it would just be i'll try that one on I was like, oh, it's not too bad. Or like, yeah, it's still a bit snug. I'm not wearing that out, but it'll do for the time being an emergency. So, um, so that was that was a thrill. I'm not even joking. I think probably about a quarter of my weight. This was in clothes at that point because wow. you were just 
burning through them. I really was because I was lucky in that I kept losing weight. I did have gains, but uh, the the week, uh, just month after month, I would lose basically a stone a month usually. So we've looked at the self-talk when you was 37 stone and the horrible things you used to tell yourself and, and the negativity and compare that to going into a store still having weight to lose and buying not only the size that now fits you buying three sizes so that is is such a change in I guess faith that this was going to work determination I mean there's such a change isn't there not not only just from a physical point of view but from your confidence in that you had found something that worked for you and that is really big that shows a real shift in your mind and the stories that you told yourself and that confidence that was growing, I guess, that confidence that you was changing. It wasn't just a whim or something that was a fad. It was there to last, wasn't it? It definitely started to feel like that. Um, it was bizarre in itself, but I did start to become aware of my behaviours and started thinking more positively about things in general. And I actually, I did kind of adopt a wee mantra in my head and it was always a case of if you can't think of a good reason to say no just say yes and see where it leads you i started to adopt that for everything including like so shopping it was a case of like well why not i'm here i'll save me another trip you know having to come in a month's time and buy one size below again you know so just save yourself a trip buy it now so things like that there it was just the positivity and again, it sounds it's such a cliche, but I did start to actually think like that just in everything. Um, yeah. If you say no, if there's no good reason to say no, because there's obviously so I started signing up for courses and work training courses, external events, just volunteering for stuff. So I volunteered to become like a fire warden, first aid warden, you know, just all the stuff that. Other people didn't even want to do, but it was the case of if they needed it. And I was like, well, I can do it. So, yeah, I did. And I would just sign up for I got an email about a concert that was on and there was last minute tickets available. And it was just like, well, I'm doing nothing on Friday night. Yeah, I'll go. You know, and it's just, and I would go to things just on my own. If I, I would go to the cinema on my own, just to was like, I want to see that. So, why not? Rather yeah. than think, well, th- these are all the reasons why not. So, because you'll go there, you'll buy a bucket load of pick and mix and a tubby ice cream and pop. <laughs> so, what I started like, well, I want to go and see it anyway. So, what can I do? What can I put in place? Yeah. And, and it was the case of, well, I found that I would cut up a bag of carrots. Uh, I would cut up apples and put them in a wee Ziploc bag and take them to the cinema. One of my consultants wants you to take a full chicken to the cinema. <laughs> she used to take a full chicken to the cinema. Now, don't go to that extent. I think I get kicked out. But um, I used to take grapes and buy mango and buy things that are not just like an apple, something that I felt was like a treat, some like more expensive fruit, I guess, to use as a treat. And that is a sign of a, of a true weight loss guru. And, you know, we talk about looking at your behaviours. And I know from my own experience that, you know, we, we, t- we hear these things, don't we? We talk about mantras and how it's good to have mantras. But I think we kind of hear it. But until you f- until you really start living it, until you start really living it and seeing 
the positive consequences of taking that mantra and actually living it, do you actually start to realize, actually, yes, this does work. And the brain, the mind, it loves consistency. It loves patterns. When it grabs hold of a pattern and recognizes, actually, puts it on a loop in your mind. And sometimes you have to really stand up and, and say, no, that, that isn't my story. That isn't how this story ends and start to, to change those patterns. And you've clearly done that. You've, you've clearly done that. And from the shopping experiences and going to the cinema. And I know that you met your, your partner now online, which I think is such a, you know, we talk about leaps of faith. That is such a, a leap of faith to put yourself out there. You've got to have some sense of confidence to, to see or recognise that you've got something that could help build a relationship or you've got something that is worthwhile. And when you practice self-love, you start to think, actually, I am lovable. And I think when, when we carry, whether it's, you know, issues for many years or whether it's an issue with, with our weight for many years, we don't really see that, do we? We don't really recognise the self-love or, or consider ourselves to be lovable. I'd like to know some details of this relationship. So I'm really curious to know how that evolved and how that felt for you, putting yourself out there, I guess. It was I think after I'd lost about 10 stone, I'd always been lucky in terms of friends. I had a couple of very, very good female friends. And one of them was, uh, Christine was very, very keen for me to sign up to this. I'd convinced myself. I, was, I had nothing to offer in a relationship. So for years, because... Who would want to deal with the baggage of dealing with someone who, you know, who eats the way I did and was the size of, that I was and bringing nothing to the table in terms of a relationship. But it started to think positively about myself and other people were starting to say. And, and so it was a case of, well, maybe how we look, I would never have the, I mean, I still have female friends, but I would never approach someone in a bar or a club to try and start up a conversation. I wouldn't even do that with other blokes. I was always very, very shy. It was always, they were brought into my circle rather than me reaching out. So they started to encourage me. So they signed me up for Tinder and Bumble, which is the one that I actually met Nicole on. So I've been for on Tinder with another girl. It hadn't worked out. She was... Um, there was straight away, there, you could see there was no real sort of connection. also picked a terrible venue for it where we actually met. And it turned out it was my friend's bar and there were other friends there. And I oh, was no. like, <laughs> I picked it in a completely different town, hoping that I wouldn't, there's no chance anybody. Uh, and it all went wrong. Uh, it didn't work out. But I was still occasionally sort of like, well, every so often I would, I'll have a wee look and see. So I would swipe right, then occasionally I would get a match. Clearly it wasn't that much of a catch, but I persuaded a friend to take photos. Uh, but I don't think I had much conversation. I had no experience of how to start conversations with girls, you know. <laughs> I never sure. thought about a new chat or a patter, as they talk about. But no. uh, I was there was one night where actually I met and matched with three in the space of an hour, which was like unheard of for me, mm. absolutely. Um, and I was talking with my friend Christine on WhatsApp about this and said, oh, I'm matched with three of them. There's one of them has a bit of promise. 
there was a bit of response to straight away, you know, there was a bit of a, I don't know, there felt like a bit of a connection. It turns out I wasn't actually talking to Nicole. I was actually talking to a friend who had more experience and who had persuaded Nicole to sign up. Oh, bless. And was taking her phone <laughs> off her. But there was a definite connection there. And I'd sent, I'd sent pics of all three to uh, Christine. And Christine actually packed those. Oh, no, this is the one I think suits, suits you best. And I was like, well, funny enough, that's the one there's a bit of a connection with. We're chatting away. The other two faded away into nothing. You know, the conversation just died out. There was no connection there. But I was chatting away to Nicole for ages. At this point, I'd booked a holiday to go to Las Vegas. My dream holiday that I'd booked. Um, So at this point, I was not leaving the house because I was saving up every penny I earned, either for clothes or for money to spend going to Las Vegas. Uh, So... I, I wasn't really going out and then, but we we're chatting away and we we're chatting away for about two weeks and then she was going to Spain. So with no option to meet, she was going to Spain and then I was going to Las Vegas, but we were still chatting. While she was over, she was sending me photos of her and her mum out in Spain together. And then when she flew back, I literally flew out to Vegas and I was sending her photos of all the stuff I was doing. I went to the Grand Canyon and, uh, all these experiences, gun range, you know, all the stuff you do in America. That yeah. This is the stuff I wanted to do my entire life. And then one Friday, she actually messaged me and basically said, look, do you fancy meeting up tonight? So when she said, do you fancy meeting up tonight? My first thought was, no, 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 no. Because I was in my last clean clothes. I hadn't shaved since I'd come back because I'd been jet lagged and just ugh, was just trying to get through the week. But that mantra came back to me. It's just like, if you can't think of a really good reason to say no, just say yes, see where it leads. So I just said, yep, okay. We decided to meet in a bar that was right beside the train station so that there's a taxi office right across it so that if the, if the date went really bad, she yes, had a escape. route. <laughs> I had a, but we knew we had this connection, so we met up and we thought we'll meet up for a couple of drinks. And we spent basically six hours there chatting away. The conversation never ran dry. It just, it clicked. You know, it yeah. really, I mean, it was like, we knew we're, we had a, a link when we've been chatting away on yeah. uh, chat. But physically there was a, you know, there was a just a connection as well. So... It went very well. The only reason it ended was because I had to get the last train home, otherwise I was stuck. So, um, but we immediately, like even on the train on the way down, we were arranging like, well, that was that went well. That went that went very well, you know. So we'll do that again. So we met up the um, the next week. We did. We arranged to meet the same, and we're chatting all the way through. Um, and again, we'll be we'll meet for a couple of drinks and see where it goes. So. And it was, it was a really, really good date again, you know. Wow. So, so it's like right. full, full circle with your weight loss and then meeting your partner. And would you have ever imagined this outcome? Would Could you have ever imagined this, you know, this outcome? You know, you're talking about your, your trip abroad, saying yes to everything. <laughs> Now, I do think it's good to have boundaries and say no at some point, but I think, you know, you just take, you just seizing the opportunities, aren't you, there, which is, which is just so, it's just so heartwarming to hear your story. The outcome has been so, so 
you know, so positive. And the, the reason why I love to get the full story of a slimming journey is not to, you know, I always criticise a unicorn transformation. Uh, you know, you'll hear this. I must, I can't even remember how many times I've said this. And the reason is it's so important to hear why the transformation has taken place, what thoughts people have had, how low people have been, and the ridiculous things that people have told themselves year after year after year, simply because I know there was somebody listening now that can really relate to your story. There was somebody listening to this now that will be thinking, my goodness, they're, they're telling my story. I can, I can really relate to this. And the reason that it's so important to hear the grit and the gore of a weight loss story is so people can connect and relate. And yes, it's fantastic to have, you know, a transformation and to see the beautiful follows that come from that. But it's even more important, I believe, to hear the, the grit of, of the journey. And, you know, people that maybe have not heard about the podcast and that are tuning in from the beginning of thinking this, this is quite this is quite heavy stuff. But it's we need that heavy stuff. We need to get an insight into that so we can we can really truly relate. Your journey is life changing. And the fact that you you was able to walk through those doors after years of your friends kind of help trying to help you, but you took it upon yourself to walk through those doors. And, you know, you, you said, haven't you, that you didn't have probably long left. And that that is a, a reality check. And it action of walking through those doors has, has changed your life. Um, I had literally resigned myself. I was convinced there would be... I mean, I'd heard for years, anytime I went to the doctor, about you'll not live to be 30, you'll not live to be 40, you'll have these conditions. When I went to Vegas, that was always my dream holiday. My dream destination was because I play poker and I organized a, a poker night for a while as well in the house. Um, and I just I'd convinced myself that that was the only place I wanted to go. But part of me still wanted that escape. And it was a case of, well, it's otherworldly. It's it's nothing from where I am right now. You know, so even when I was really, really low, I was convinced I was going to go to Las Vegas and that would be be me. You know, that would be the only the only place I ever wanted to go. So but I think part of it was because it was so different from where I was living. The day-to-day life was so yeah. in. I mean, in terms of you went to work. Um, like I remember... You're talking about you know that unicorn effect of having, like I picked out when I started. I was lucky enough that I read one of the stories of a previous guy, David Lancaster, who had lost twenty one stone or whatever it was. And I remember reading his stuff obsessively, reading his blog, reading his success story in the slimming world, just to try and focus that he can't. He did it why can't I, you know? Mm. Uh, and there were times where I was struggling and I was feeling like down. I remember the first time I had an unexpected gain. I mean, part of losing weight is that sometimes you will gain weight. Sometimes you'll have bad results. Um, it's just the fact of life. But the first time I remember I, I gained, and I think it was, it was only after about eight or nine weeks, but it was actually... Um, at a different group because I couldn't make my regular group. Um, so I, I weighed 
and I just mentally I checked out. I ran. I did. I actually left. I didn't stay for image therapy. It's one of the very group therapy. It was one of the very few times I never stayed. Was because I was so embarrassed about it. And then it was. I actually sat and rationed it out. And it was just a case of well, I've had this unexpected result. How have I? I've been following the exact same plan that I was doing the week before. What happened? What what changed? And and I basically because it had some like seven or eight weeks of success with it, I just basically said, like, well, do it again. Do the exact same thing again. Just stick to your plan, stick to what you were doing, stick to what you know, and reassess next week. If it if it goes back on, maybe this isn't gonna work, maybe it's not gonna be for you after all, even though you, you can feel the benefit already. Um and it was a case of work, well, just stick with it and then reassess the next week. And the next week I got a good result. Um, I got the gain off on another pound, I think it was. So it was, I was all of a sudden I was happy. But I think that setback, you do need that setback even on the journey. And even though it was like the other one, it was a case of like, you need to think it through, you need to reassess, you need to just refocus. It was But part of it was with me was... And I just needed that sort of setback. I think I really did need it because at that point, you know, like I, I've read online about people and they've had 52 weeks of losses. And I'm like, that is mind blowing yeah. to me. Like I've weighed in over, I think it's a hundred. I actually sat and worked this out for this and I can't remember what it is offhand, but it was 170 odd weeks of weigh-ins and about 40 gains. Like now, almost all of them are expected gains because um, I've had nights out, or I've had extra days out, or the birthdays, parties, or whatever, you know. So usually I've put optimized or you know made healthy choices or whatever. But um, sometimes it's just be like, yeah, well, I've had three nights out this week, so so be it. I put on <laughs> put on two pounds, put on four pounds, you know. But then, but the key was for me was just definitely just getting back on it, you know, just back on it. And so, talking about the forty gains there, albeit expected, it's you know it's forty gains. But look, look at the outcome of that, and look, you know, look at your success. For anybody listening to this, that would love to, I guess, make that connection. uh, Albeit with Weight Watchers or Slimming World or with any you know weight loss. With any nutritionally sound weight loss group, what piece of advice could you give to our listeners that are, are really inspired by what they've heard, but are still struggling to make that connect with taking action? I mean, you have to think about what they want at the end of it. You have to think about why you signed up, because nobody walks into those groups. Nobody walks into those groups in a happy place. I mean, everybody thinks this is the worst version of me I've ever had or I've ever been, and I want to change it. So people worry about being judged in them, and that's uh, it's strange that, um, and I did, I know I thought I was always very, very conscious because of the size I was. I was the biggest person in any room I walked into for 20 plus years. Um, and I knew people were staring at me because I'm also six foot three as well. So I'm tall and I stand out because of the size I was. 
and I was just always self-conscious of it. But I, I kind of realized that we're all self-conscious when we're in there. Um, even now, like you were saying about my consultant, about being how happy she is. My consultant is completely overwhelmed with uh, happiness for me and is very, very keen on uh, singing my praises. But I like it, part of me is, is sitting in the group cringing, you know, inside because I don't, I, I'm still not that, I don't want that attention that much as well, one on one, you know, you're still aware of it. Um, but you just have to realize that, I mean, we're all there because we want to, want to change. We want to change something about ourselves. We're not happy where we are. Um, but establishing what it is that you want that makes you happy and then refocus on what it is that you want to be, where you want to be, whether it's next week or whether it's tomorrow, whether it's a year down the line. I mean, I do think, like, I, 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 I kind of kind of a bit of a hypocrite here because when I joined up I didn't have any goals I didn't set a goal I deliberately didn't set a target but you do have success I think statistically it's been shown that you do have more success if you do set that target and aim for something to have something down the line no matter how far it is or how close it is um, whether it's to lose a stone or to get into a new dress for a Christmas or birthday or wedding or whatever there always seem to be dress based goals and <laughs> But yeah, having I do think having that goal helps, and I yeah. I do try now um, because I will. We have like holidays planned, or we did before. Obviously, uh, Corona managed to come in and scupper everything. Um, but I I would set those goals where um, I know I have such and such in three weeks' time. But until then, I've got nothing. I've nowhere to be. I'm not missing out on anything. So I'll be extra, extra good those three weeks. And then I can relax that week and feel guilt-free. I do say that. But even when I do then go for these things, I still try and maintain a reasonable regime. I don't go out and have McDonald's for breakfast, lunch and dinner, or no. eat a of uh, made in a restaurant and loads of beer. If I would have alcohol, I would still have my vodka and lower calorie options, you know. But uh, so I'm still conscious of making like good choices, even when I'm relaxing. But uh, yeah, it's just having that goal. I think now okay. is it's especially key for keeping me on track. Part of it is I'm conscious that as a because of the publicity I've had this year, I'm conscious that well, sure. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to turn up and you know be thrown overweight or you know haven't put it back on. But that's the pressure I put on myself. I don't want to be like rake thin. I just want to find somewhere that I'm comfortably maintaining that. Absolutely. So I don't want to. I don't want to to be. I don't want to fit into like a size thirty two waist because I haven't fit into one of them since I was fourteen. Probably right. not going to do it. So I just want to be happy where I am. Or I've found now where I'm below my target, but I'm happy where I am. So if I'm if I'm, I'm basically playing a beer now, I just stay where I am. And if I, if I can keep comfortably at it, that's where I'm going to set my final target target. That's fantastic. And, and talking about what you've just said there about 
not wanting your consultant to shine your light and you're feeling a bit embarrassed. I'm thinking you're on a podcast now, you're going to be all over. And you've also got an Instagram account as well. So how, how does that work? So the next question is, what is your Instagram handle, Phil, for anybody uh, that wants to follow you? It's philphal.kayes.sw. This will inspire lots of people all over the world. So more attention, <laughs> more attention for you. But it's, it's been great. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. There's so many golden nuggets in both of Phil's episodes. But the one thing that I love is a mantra that he had on repeat to help to push him forward when normally he would have took a step back. Like what he explained about, you know, the date night, this first date with his partner. And normally it wouldn't have gone out on that date, but it pushed himself forward for that. So not only has it made so many positive changes with his weight, with his health, his mindset has just totally changed. And I absolutely love the bravery, the honesty, the courage, everything about Phil's journey. And I hope this has inspired you. I really, really do. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Slimming Stories. And wherever you listen to your podcasts, please hit subscribe. This will really help me to climb the podcast charts. So wishing you a great week ahead. And until next time, take care.